Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on August 4th, 2013. Today's message is titled, Members of the Body of Christ, by Pastor Ryan Cochran, and is based on Philemon, verses 4 to 22. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word that you tell us is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I thank you that the adults and youth and children have been hearing that word all week, and I pray, God, now as we listen to it, uh, Lord, that you would change us by that word. In Christ's name, amen. So in the last few weeks that I have the really great privilege to preach here at Ebenezer, we've been reflecting on some of the things that God has taught me and that God has taught us at Ebenezer uh, over these last nine years that we've been together. Uh, This week we're going to look together at some of the ways that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes our life. Small topic. But one of the things that I've been learning during my time at Ebenezer is how important it is for us to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes our present earthly life. Our mission statement here at Ebenezer Baptist is that we seek to glorify God by winning and building lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. Lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. This mission statement is a good one because it makes sure that we do not forget that a relationship with Jesus is not simply about having one moment, one spiritual experience at some point in the past that we hold on to for the rest of our lives, but that our lives are to be a continued growing into a deeper love and into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We seek to make lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news that through Jesus Christ, you and I can experience the forgiveness of sins and that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can now live a new life. We can take off what Paul calls the old man. We no longer have to live according to the power of sin and darkness in our life. We have the power to live a life of holiness that brings light and life to everyone around us. The gospel gives us the power to be lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes our life. And today we're going to look at the book of Philemon. Philemon is Paul's shortest letter and probably the letter that gets the least amount of attention of all his other letters. But I've come to believe over the last few years, and I did preach on Philemon about two or three years ago, I've come to believe that it is one of the most important letters that Paul wrote, because the letter of Philemon is the so what of all of Paul's theology. My mom gave a great gift to my dad throughout their marriage, and that was that after most of my dad's sermons, my mom would ask him the question, so what? So what? That was a good sermon, Bruce, but so what? How does it affect my day-to-day life? I think the book of Philemon serves as the so what of Paul's letters, of his preaching, and of his theology. This letter shows how the gospel, in one particular circumstance, in the relationship between Paul and Philemon and Onesimus, how the gospel works itself out. 
The book of Philemon is an expression of what the effects of the gospel look like in these, the lives of these two men, Philemon and Onesimus, who are at odds with one another. What are the effects of the good news, the gospel of Jesus in our lives? Well, Paul's letter to Philemon is one expression of what the gospel looks like. And there are three ways in particular that we're going to look at that today. First, we're going to see in this letter how the power of the gospel transforms our character. How the power of the gospel transforms our character. Second is how the power of the gospel transforms our relationships with one another. And third, how the gospel calls us to boldness in our ministry to others. So the power of the gospel transforms our character, it transforms our relationships with one another, and it calls us to boldness in our ministry to others. So I want to start by giving you a little bit of a picture of what the letter of Philemon is all about and kind of the background story uh, that we get as we read this letter. This letter has three main characters in the story, Philemon, Paul, and Onesimus. And we learn from this letter that Paul and Philemon have come to know one another at some point in Paul's ministry, that Paul led Philemon to faith in Jesus, and that the two of them had become close friends and had become partners in ministry. Paul had many close friendships, and it seems as if his relationship with Philemon was one of those relationships. Philemon was a leader in the church, and he and his family have a church that meet in their home. Just read verses 1 and 2 of the letter. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. To Apphia, our sister. And to Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Most often in the New Testament, uh, the church had no church buildings like we have. They had no church buildings of their own. And so what would happen is the leader of the church in that place would have the church gathering in their own home. And so Philemon here is one of the leaders of the church as he has this uh, gathering that meets in his home. Now Philemon, like many people in his day, was a slave owner. And Philemon had a slave named Onesimus that ran away. We do not know the circumstances. We don't know if Philemon was being harsh to Onesimus, and that's why he ran away. We don't know why Onesimus ran away. We just know that he ran away. And when he ran away, Onesimus, the slave, went out and he found Paul. And over the course of time in his relationship with Paul, Onesimus also became a believer in Jesus and became useful to Paul and his ministry. And so now in this letter, we're at this moment where Philemon and Paul have this long history and friendship and partnership together. And then Onesimus goes out and he runs away from Philemon and he goes and he finds Paul. And Paul and Onesimus have this relationship and this partnership together. And Paul decides for some reason that he needs to send Onesimus, the slave, back to Philemon, the slave owner. And so that's the background of this story, and this is the moment when this letter is written. This is a story between Philemon, the slave owner, and Paul, the apostle, and Onesimus, the runaway slave. And we read in this story how Paul says that the gospel, the good news of Jesus that now both Philemon and Onesimus know and have received, 
how this gospel should change their life. And first in this letter, we read about how Paul's belief that the gospel transforms our character, how the gospel transforms our hearts, our inner life, how the gospel transforms our character. Now, the book of Philemon is a book in some ways about slavery. Slavery is something that all of us know is a terrible thing. And so when we read this letter, we may wonder why it is, how a Christian like Philemon could even be a slave owner at all. And I think we also may wonder why it is that Paul never condemns slavery in the letter. Paul does not tell Philemon, you must set Onesimus free. And maybe even most surprisingly to us, when Paul had the opportunity simply to to keep Onesimus with him, that Paul decides to send the runaway slave back to his owner, Philemon. We have to wonder why Paul doesn't take this opportunity to condemn slavery. This seems like the perfect chance for Paul to do that, doesn't it? But he doesn't condemn slavery. Why is this? Well, Paul makes it very clear why he doesn't do that in this letter. I want to read verses 8 through 9. Paul writes to Philemon, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. Paul wants Philemon's actions to be motivated by love, rather than following Paul's command or his order. Look at verse 14. I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor that you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Paul wants Philemon to take the initiative on his own, to act willingly, spontaneously, not out of uh, coercion, but instead to act willingly to do what is right. Do you see what Paul is getting at here? Paul recognizes that because of his authority as an apostle apostle and his authority as a leader in Philemon's life, that he could, because of that authority, give Philemon a command, you must let Onesimus go. But Paul knows that there is a more excellent way, the most excellent way, he says in 1 Corinthians 13, and that is the way of love. It is the way of right action done out of a transformed heart rather than right action done out of obligation or coercion. Paul's goal in this whole letter is that Philemon and Onesimus would be restored to Christian fellowship, that they would love one another as brothers. And consider for a moment what would have happened if Paul would have commanded Philemon to set Onesimus free. If Paul would have given a command to Philemon to do that, then the way of love would not have been possible. They would not have been restored as brothers. If Paul gives a command to Philemon, then Philemon is deprived of the opportunity to act out of love, to act from his own decision to love Onesimus in the way that he should. He only would have been able to act out of obligation to Paul. And if Paul would have commanded Philemon to release Onesimus, then Onesimus would have been deprived of the opportunity to receive love from Philemon 
knowing that Philemon, he just followed this order because Paul said to do it, not because Philemon loves me. If Paul gives a command to Philemon to release Onesimus, then the foundation of the relationship is obligation and coercion. It is not love. And Paul wants Philemon and Onesimus to come together in Christian brotherly love. And so Paul takes a great risk. Because it is possible that when Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon, that Philemon would not receive him as a brother, but punish him as a runaway slave. And Philemon was a Roman citizen. And as a Roman citizen, he would have been under his full rights to punish Onesimus with 40 lashes of a whip minus one, or perhaps even in some places, death for a runaway slave. Philemon would have been under, under the law able to do that without repercussion. And so Paul takes a great risk. And I think Onesimus takes a great risk by being obedient to Paul and going back to Philemon. He takes a great risk. But Paul and I think also Onesimus trust in the transforming power of the gospel. Paul trusts that the gospel has taken root in Philemon's heart. And that that gospel is producing the fruit of love because Paul has already seen the fruit happen in Philemon's life. Look at verses 4 through 7. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, Philemon, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Paul knows that Philemon is a man who is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He is a man who has received the gospel by faith and is being transformed into a man who has the character of love. Paul trusts in the transforming work of the gospel. He trusts that Philemon's heart, his character, is being changed by the power of the Spirit. And so he can send Onesimus back to Philemon, and that Philemon will do the right thing. Not out of obligation, not out of conversion, but out of love for his brother Onesimus. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes our life. It changes our inner character. It changes our heart. And we see Paul believing that and acting that out in this relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. The gospel also has the power to transform our relationships. When Paul sends Onesimus back, he tells Philemon that he should receive Onesimus no longer as a slave, but how? As a brother. As a brother. Because of the gospel, we have been invited into a new family. We have been adopted by the Father. We have this great privilege of being called children of God. And because of that, when we enter into this unique relationship uh, with God, we also enter into a relationship with all of those who call God Father. So as Philemon is this letter that speaks about the so what of all of Paul's gospel— Philemon becomes a practical expression of what Paul's gospel looks like as we have been invited into this new family. This new family of with all of us who call God Abba, Father. 
For Paul, calling God Abba, Father, means that we've been entered into this new household. And Paul's letters are filled with this language that refers to us as this new family that has been joined together in Christ. All of his letters are filled with this language, especially this book of Philemon. Just read the book of Philemon and count all of the times that Paul refers to one another uh, as brothers or as sisters, or to Philemon and Onesimus as brothers with one another. Because we are children of God, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And these relationships then place a certain kind of requirement on us, because we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. As Christians, we are to be people of reconciliation and forgiveness. Our lives are to be characterized by this reconciliation and forgiveness. And so Paul says, Philemon and Onesimus, you have been forgiven by Christ. May your life also be characterized by that kind of forgiveness and reconciliation. We are called to be a family, to live together, to worship together, to serve together. And when any parts of the household are at odds with one another, we know that that causes a division throughout the whole family. Perhaps you've been at a meal when there is an argument between two people at the table. It causes a problem. It doesn't just ruin the meal between the two people who are arguing, does it? It ruins the meal for the whole table. Philemon and Onesimus and their conflict together has ruined in some way the unity that exists in the church. And Paul's appeal to Philemon is to look past what has happened, to forgive Onesimus and to receive him as a brother. That they are now a part of the same family, living in the same household, and they both call God Father. The gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to bring us into new kinds of relationships with one another. Third, the gospel gives us the authority to go into the world boldly and to do good work in Jesus' name. And we see this through the way that Paul acts in his relationship between Onesimus and Philemon. Paul acts boldly and he follows the example of Jesus as he ministers to Philemon and Onesimus. In this relationship between Philemon and Onesimus, Paul becomes a minister of reconciliation between these two men. And he does it in a way that reflects the attitude and the actions of Jesus. Paul takes very seriously his identity in Christ. Throughout Paul's letters, we see how closely he identifies his life with the life of Christ. Paul says things like this, I bear on my body the marks of Christ. The times when Paul was whipped, the times when he suffered for the gospel, he did not see that only as he himself suffering, but he saw that as Christ suffering. Paul says, I want to know Christ in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And in the letter to Philemon, we see how seriously Paul takes his identity as one who is in Christ. Paul believes that he is now a part of the body of Christ, and that now his life is to look like the life of Jesus. 
as he enters into relationships with other people, as he goes about the ministry that he is called to do, he is to do it in the same way, in the same manner, with the same attitude that Jesus did his ministry. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. I'm going to read these verses, and as I read them, I want you to think about the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus, and how these verses in 2 Corinthians, how they must come to light because of this relationship between Philemon and Onesimus that has been uh, divided, and that Paul is seeking to bring them together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21 going to read these verses and think about the story of Philemon as I read. Paul says, From now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in, Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is Paul's writing, his theology about what it means to be reconciled to God and to be called into the world to be a minister of reconciliation. So what is this going to look like as he's now faced with this relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. Jesus was in the world, reconciling the world to himself, and now God has given us the same ministry of reconciliation. For Paul, this is not just some high-sounding theology that we're supposed to think about really hard in our brains. It must take real effect for Paul in his life and in his ministry. And this ministry of reconciliation we see takes real effect in the life of Philemon in Onesimus. There are two things in the letter to Philemon that I want to point out to you about how Paul lives out this ministry of reconciliation that he has been given. Pay pay attention closely. I think this is why I love this letter so much. Listen to how closely Paul acts like Jesus. First, Paul brings Philemon and Onesimus together through their relationship with him. Paul reminds Philemon in this letter that Philemon and Onesimus are both his sons in the faith. In verse 10, Paul calls Onesimus his son as one who's come to faith through Paul's witness while he was in prison. In verse 19, Paul reminds Philemon that Philemon owes Paul his very life because he came to know Christ through his witness. Philemon is a son to Paul. Paul is saying to Philemon that he and Onesimus are brothers in more than one way. They are brothers ultimately in Christ, 
as they both love the Father, but they are also brothers in that they are both children of Paul by faith. So follow Paul's logic of 2 Corinthians with me for a second. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, In Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself. Paul understands that he himself, Paul understands himself to share the life of Jesus. And while it's true that Paul's work cannot reconcile the whole world, Paul believes that he has been given a real ministry of reconciliation. And so now as he encounters this relationship that is divided, he becomes a minister of reconciliation between these two brothers, Philemon and Onesimus. In Jesus, God was reconciling the whole world to himself. Well, in Paul, the one who is in Jesus, God is reconciling Philemon and Onesimus. In Jesus, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, but now in Paul, the one who is in Jesus, the one who's been given this same ministry of reconciliation in him, Philemon and Onesimus are being brought together because they are both sons in the faith to Paul. Paul's understanding of his identity in Christ is so real to him that he seeks to bring Philemon and Onesimus together by reminding them that they both share an intimate relationship with him, Paul. You are both my sons in the faith. In this, we see the seriousness with which Paul takes on his identity in Christ and the authority that he believes that he has to do the same kind of work that Jesus does. In Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now, in a smaller but also a very real way, Paul is doing the same thing. In Paul, God was reconciling Philemon. To Onesimus. Paul brings them together in him through their shared relationship with him. Now the second thing that which is even more clear in Philemon and which I think is even more bold and audacious for Paul to do, we find it in verses 18 and 19. Philemon verses 18 and 19. Paul says to Philemon, if he, that is Onesimus, has done any wrong, or if he owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. For Onesimus's sake, Paul makes himself a debtor to Philemon. Even though Paul was blameless, even though Paul owed Philemon nothing, even though, in fact, Philemon owed Paul his very life, Paul makes himself a debtor to Philemon in the place of Onesimus. Do you hear the gospel being lived out in Paul's life? God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Paul, who knew no debt to Philemon, takes on Onesimus' debt upon himself so that Philemon and Onesimus can be reconciled together. Paul is living out the doctrine of justification. 
Martin Luther called this the glorious exchange where Jesus in his sacrifice takes upon my debt that he did not owe and my death which was my judgment and he takes it upon himself so that I may be forgiven and reconciled to God. This is the glorious exchange that Martin Luther says happened at the cross. This is the doctrine of justification that Paul talks about throughout his letters, and Paul lives it out here in his relationship with Philemon and Onesimus. Paul believes that he is in Christ, and because he is in Christ, he should be willing to share the sufferings of Christ. And so in this particular matter, it seems that Onesimus owes a debt to Philemon. And so he, Paul, says, I will take on that debt. I will take on that suffering in some way so that you two can be reconciled together. Paul, who knew no debt, became a debtor so that in him Philemon and Onesimus might become brothers. God who made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we can become the righteousness of God. Jesus' work cannot be replaced. Jesus' work is finished and it is complete. Bringing those who are enemies of God into friendship with God is Jesus' work and Jesus' work alone. But what Paul understands is that Jesus' work of reconciliation now continues through us who are a part of his body. And Paul takes seriously that he is a part of his body and that he is in Christ. And so he enters into this relationship between these two brothers who are at odds with one another, and he acts like Jesus. He takes on the debt of Onesimus so that these two can be reconciled together. In order to emphasize this point, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, and then we're going to be finished. Colossians chapter 1. Paul says something here that... I don't know. I just I can't believe he says it, but he does. And I think it applies very much to the letter to Philemon. I'm going to read verses 21 through 23, and then I'm going to read verses, verse 24. Paul says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. We have been reconciled to God through Christ's work and through Christ's work alone. And that work is done, and it is finished. But listen to what Paul says in verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I fill up what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions? How can there be anything lacking in Christ's afflictions? When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. What can Paul possibly mean when he says, I fill up in my own flesh 
what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. What Paul is saying, and what Paul demonstrates in his relationship with Philemon and Onesimus, is that his ministry is an extension of Christ's work on the cross that continues now through the work of his church. In our own life and ministry, we are called to fill up what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, not because our suffering saves the world, but because our suffering and sacrifice for others demonstrates, makes visible, makes tangible the sacrifice of Jesus to those who have not heard it, to those who do not know about it yet. I don't think we can meditate on this enough to understand fully this mystery and privilege that we've been given. This idea that the work we do in Jesus' name is an extension of the work that Jesus did on the cross, making tangible the cross of Christ for those who do not yet know it. This is Paul's idea in Philemon, that God in me, that is in Paul, am reconciling Philemon and Onesimus to one another. God is reconciling them through me. I am giving a tangible expression of the reconciliation of Christ by willingly taking on someone else's debt that I do not owe. Paul is making visible the sacrifice of Christ in Philemon and Onesimus' life. This morning, we are going to take communion together. And at the communion table, the reconciling work of Jesus Christ is symbolically and powerfully displayed because at the communion table, all of us come together to eat. At the communion table, we come together and eat from one common loaf and one common cup. And as we take of the broken pieces of that one body, we are joined together and united and are made into the body of Christ. We come together united as we share in this meal. Men and women, Jew and Gentile, people from all different socio and economic classes, we come together as a part of the same table and we eat together. And as we take the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus into our own bodies, we are asking that God would make us like Jesus. We are asking that the broken and crucified life of Jesus would become a part of us. We are asking that God would enable us to be broken and that our lives would also be spilled out for the life of the world. This is what Paul demonstrates in his relationship with Philemon and Onesimus, and it's what we are called to be about as those who are willing to sacrifice for the sake of of others, so that Christ's sacrifice can be made known to them. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we we thank you for your word, and we thank you for Paul and for his example to us. We thank you for Jesus and for his example to us. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would transform our inner character so that we would become more and more like Jesus, so that we, as we enter into our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would also be willing to forgive and be reconciled with one another. And Lord, as we enter into the ministry of reconciliation with those that we are around, God, that you would empower us by your spirit 
to be willing to be broken and poured out for the sake of others. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.